Trading Nut, episode 120. Like, don't worry about the price. Don't worry about how much money you're making. Because I think that's one of the, the biggest issues with traders is if they don't see a big amount of money being made, they don't like it. You know, or if they see a lot of money being lost, it scares them. The market's going to do something. Your job is not to fight it. The market never, ever runs away. It's always there. That personal diary of trading will make you a much better trader than I could be right about the direction, but wrong about the trade. Don't focus on the monetary side. Trying to make too much money on a trade is what I have seen killed every trader. Your losses offer you some of the greatest insight you can find into your mistakes. Relax, learn the process. Candlestick pattern training is a freaking trap. Don't be in a rush to become a millionaire. Let the market tell you what the market wants to tell you. This podcast is not financial, trading, or investing advice of any kind. What's up traders, welcome to another installment of the Trading Up podcast. I'm your host Cameron Hawkins and we're getting very close to uh, surpassing the number of interviews I did on my 52 Traders podcast, so I'm really happy about that. I think it was 123, so we're getting very close to that. Now, today we've got Andy Peters on the show. Andy is a crypto expert come Forex trader, so he's moved into Forex. So in the show, you're going to find out how he did so well in crypto and then why he moved to Forex in recent times as well. Uh, also, coming up in the crypto space, and Andy's going to be involved in this, is a little segment I'm going to introduce to Trading Up, the Trading Up YouTube channel pr- primarily, where I'm going to get crypto experts coming on and telling you about what's going on in the crypto market. So you can keep abreast of that because I think this is the way things are going to go in the future. I've sort of finally made my mind up that the digital currency is probably going to be the thing of the future, so you want to really educate yourselves on that as soon as possible. Now, on that note, I'm going to get a guest on very soon who's going to talk about the destruction of the US dollar. So this is someone who's been on the show before but is very knowledgeable in this space. I'm not going to spoil it, but that's coming up, so stay tuned. I haven't recorded the interview yet, but I have it planned uh, it looks like they're keen, so I can't wait to release that because I think it's going to be a doozy of an episode. Uh, really sort of controversial stuff, but let's see where it goes. Now, uh, talking about something that's not controversial, we've got Trader versus Trader number three coming up. So this is a whole new series of traders competing for the top spot here using the Forex Simulator software. So guys, that is coming up starting this week. So the week that this interview drops, it starts. You can watch those uh, streams live. Uh, we've got some great traders on here. We've got a lot of full, full-time traders coming on versus the previous episodes where we've had uh, probably a more part-time versus full-time. So guys, this I'm, I can't wait for this. This is going to be awesome. Uh, also, if you do want to do your back testing a lot faster than manually doing it on the likes of Forex Simulator, then uh, I do teach you how to build trading robots with uh, for the MetaTrader 4 and MetaTrader 5 platforms. It's called my Robot Builders Club. It's a seven-day course with a community uh, and about 30-odd robots that you get as well. Look, I've, I'm thinking about closing that off to new members very soon because I want to focus my attention on something else uh, which is going to require a bit of time so I can't help those new guys come on board. So guys, do remember if you do want to get into this club now, it's an exclusive club where we've had the likes of Nathan Sage on who has done very, very well um, in the uh, in the automated trading space. So seven, seven figures that he's he's made just from the back of doing my course and, and taking the, the Robot Builders Club in its earlier days. Now, last but not least, do remember there's Trading Up merch here on the channel. So if you do want to get it here on YouTube or you can get it on tradingnut.com, um, show people that you know you're a trading nut. 
got it on both sides here. Uh, if you want to wear the Trading Nut merch, sorry, you have to be uh, not listening to the podcast to see what I've just done. Um, then, yeah, head over there. Uh, I'd love to see a few more of you out there and see you wandering the streets with the Trading Nut, new Trading Nut icon. All right, folks, uh, without further ado, let's get on with this show with Andy. I know you're going to love it. And do remember to check out those videos we shot afterwards as well. Whether you're a struggling trader or a profitable trader, our sponsor, City Traders Imperium, are offering you the chance to become a fully backed Forex trader. That's right, get coached and funded with CTI today. All right, folks, here we are on Trading Up. We've got Andy Peters here in the house. Welcome to the show, Andy. And thanks for having me. Well, look, thank you for coming on the show. Now, I'm, I'm so glad we got you on because, as I said before, I had your name on my list for a long time and... So the stars aligned, I think, you know, I don't know what happened, but we, we're here, which is great. So do you want to start off by sharing with the guys your trading journey? And this is what I love to hear, and I'm going to dive a bit deeper on some some questions as well. So, yeah, how did you get started, and, and how did you get to where you are now? Yeah, so trading started, um, it was kind of all, always in the family. Uh, my grandfather did it, and my dad did it, and then I wanted no part of it because I just saw the stress that it brought them as far as, you know, just the money aspect of it. Uh, you can make a lot of money. And then you can also lose a lot of money and just seeing how much they were involved in it, how much time it took away, stress and whatnot. Um, I was like, I want really no part of that. And then fast forward, I was working in corporate America and just playing around goofing off with my 401k, changing settings and moving it around and playing with other investments within there. I was like, I've actually made more money. You know, I'm talking to my coworkers and they're talking about how much they made and their percentages. And I'm like, man, that's weird. Like I've made almost double two and sometimes four X what these people are making. And we're all in the same company, you know, putting in the same money, in the 401k. So that's when I was like, I'm going to you know, dabble around in a little bit. So I did. And then cryptocurrency started kicking off. And when cryptocurrency started kicking off, that's where I really got involved. And I kind of fell just down the rabbit hole and it was, it was still young in the cryptocurrency market. So you didn't have many options as far as trading um, and exchanges and whatnot. You were kind of limited and um, just, kind of fell down that rabbit hole, did that for a few years. And then fast forward, I'm now two years into Forex. So I'm still a baby, um, you know, in, in the Forex community. Uh, but as I told you earlier, after trading cryptocurrency for so long and coming into Forex, you know, it looked like Forex was moving slow motion. It was like, man, someone, someone's slowing this down. I can actually build a chart around it and actually take time to, to trade and analyze it, um, which is funny because a lot of people think the Forex moves fast. But if you're looking at, you know, the Forex compared to the cryptocurrency market, it moves you know, rather slow. Um, so here we are now. Yeah. And so, so what, at what stage did you jump into the crypto? I mean, what year was it or what price yeah, was Bitcoin? Right, it was right there around the end of 2013, 2014 mark is when I really started getting heavy um, into the cryptocurrency side. And at that point in time, it was mainly just, you know, Bitcoin. Um, I didn't start messing around with the altcoins and all that stuff until late 2016 is when I started getting involved in them. Okay, and so so how did do you want to sort of walk us through your first uh, endeavors into crypto back then? What did it what did it look like, and was it really easy, or or how, what sort um, of education did you get? Yeah, it was. I mean, as far as the Bitcoin side of things, there wasn't much education because you were just buying it. I mean, it just however you could buy it, however you could find it, you would get it. Um, it was more the education side in that 2016 year because that's when the altcoins, you know, in my opinion, really started coming to to more of a mass amount of people talking about it and movement. And I mean, at that point in time, education was just taking place on, you know, mainly Twitter. And you had a few of these little Slack groups. Um, you had some, you know, Telegram groups here and there that were talking and you were just kind of, for me, I wasn't buying into what everyone was talking about. It was more or less, you know, hearing what they were talking about 
and then going and looking at the chart, you know, going and seeing, you know, what is this actually doing? Is it, are we at the high peak? Are we low? Is there a lot of volume? Um, and I would kind of put my own TA behind it and then wait for an entry. And, you know, as soon as I saw a good entry, I'd go ahead and buy. And I would try to buy when there was a decent amount of volume uh, flowing in. So that was, I mean, that was really it. That's all I looked at. Wasn't too complicated at all. Just jumping in here with a quick message from my sponsor, Sage Capital, who provide education software and tools needed to increase anyone's ability to trade more successfully. Perfect for people who are either still learning, too busy, or just want to use professional-grade strategies to build passive income. They've achieved high returns with relatively low risk and are available for auto-copying today. Go to sagecapital.co.uk and start auto-trading today. And so, so back in 2013-14, what, what price was Bitcoin hovering, hovering around at that point? Man, I, I don't remember the exact price that I was purchasing that then because see, back then too, I was buying it from individuals. So individuals were selling it to me and you, you had markup. So you're paying a pretty high markup. But my average, my average cost of Bitcoin uh, purchased from altcoins and movements and from that timeline was around $358 was my average price of Bitcoin. <laughs> really? That's ridiculous. Yeah. That is absolutely ridiculous. Um, okay, so so and what is it today? It's 62,000 or something like that. Yeah, sixty-two thousand hit sixty-three thousand and some change yesterday. I think even at one point sixty-four thousand. So and and are, are you still holding some of that that you bought at three hundred and fifty-eight on oh, yeah. average? I am. Okay, I'm holding. I'm holding pretty good. But I had a so I had the um, podcast I did with Chart Addicts, and we were talking about you know all the Bitcoin that I actually lost and gambled away and gave away and spent. Um, and at one point in time, I think it was like 5,800 and something Bitcoins that I had, I'd loaded. Yeah. I'd put it on bookmaker. So I don't know if you're familiar with bookmaker, but I'd went on there and and done some just stupid, you know, gambling stuff, having some fun with it. And then we'd be at parties, you know, and and people would be like, man, I I bet you 10 Bitcoin to, you know, my $2,000 that this, this, and we were just dumb with it and would throw it around all over the place. (laughs) And now here we are. And we look back at it and we're like, crap this isn't good no no what five thousand bitcoin is what worth five thousand times sixty two thousand i don't even want i can't even work that out in my head we've done we've done the the math on several several occasions yeah and it is it's wild right like (laughs) when you start looking at it it makes you sick to your stomach yeah yeah i suppose it's like oh that one bit i made was has cost me a million dollars. Oh, you don't want to, mm-hmm. yeah, you don't want to go I mean, there. I did, I did that. I did that with a few cars that I bought, you know, I've, I've bought, you know, some of my cars where, you know, I'm using Bitcoin to purchase those cars. Right. And then you look right. back and you're like, man, you know, I spent 10 Bitcoin on that car and you're like, wow. in today's time that 10 Bitcoins were $600,000. Well, yeah, that's, that's that is mad. Eh? That is mad. Yeah, but hey, it's, it's sitting in pretty heavy. Yeah. So, so, um, okay. So back, back then, what were you, um, what were you sort of, using to get into crypto i mean like what what uh, methodologies were you thinking or going through to to go well this is a good time to buy or were you just like i'm just going to accumulate because of, i see the potential in this thing even though yeah, it's way back then so with with bitcoin i really i really didn't see where it was going to go because everyone you know it always said i mean when you rewind back 2016 17 um, especially when we had that big run, you know, everyone was preaching then, you know, Bitcoin to a hundred thousand dollars, Bitcoin to, you know, $50,000. And for me, I was more of a, I guess, realist. And I was like, if, if we get Bitcoin to just, you know, 17,000 to $20,000, I'm happy. And, um, I actually posted a chart up on Facebook. Uh, it was right there towards the end of 2017 
where I was like, you know, guys, based on TA, Bitcoin's gonna, going to go down to at least, you know, $9,200 to $8,800 range. Um, and man, people yelled at me, screamed at me, told me I was an idiot, all kinds of stuff because I'd pumped it up so much. And now I'm saying, well, we're going to go down. And it was mainly people that didn't understand how markets work, you know, or anything like that. So sure enough, you know, we hit 2018 and it just starts coming down, coming down, coming down. And then fast forward, uh, it was March of last year. I'd made a post on Instagram um, where I, well, not a post, but a story. And I was like, guys, and I've, I've reshared it probably a dozen times now. And, you know, it was like, guys, if you can afford any part of Bitcoin, you need to buy it now. And we were trading at like $3,893 to $4,000 and some change. And I was like, just buy as much as, as you can physically afford, yeah. you know? Yeah. And um, I mean, I've got friends calling me up and stuff and they're like, bro, you can't tell people to buy stuff like that. Cause if they do, and it goes the opposite direction, they're going to be mad at you. And I was like, I'm telling you right now, like, based on technical analysis and everything that's going on, this is the lowest we're going to see Bitcoin. It's going to fly off the handle. We'll be at sixteen, seventeen thousand dollars, mm-hmm. and obviously it blew that number out of the water. Yeah. And then once yeah. we got into that twenty-ish to twenty thousand dollar range, I was like, "Man, this is—it's getting real now." You know, and mm. here we are. Elon jumped on board, and it just got real, real serious. <laughs> yeah, I mean, well, I mean, everything, and you start seeing the movement. Um, uh, you know, if you start looking at like the well alerts and how much money's being put into the market, it's—it's it's not little bitty dollars. You know, I mean, it's a lot of money. So. What, what, it made everything see real. What, seem what's, real. Um, we're sort of diverting here, but this is good. Uh, what, what, what's amazed me at this current point in time is like I've seen nothing, not even a, a, a mention or even a, a half mention on the news here about Bitcoin. In the really? Second, in the second rally, I've not seen, there's been nothing, right? And this was when, wow. it, when it had reached 20 again, hit 50 there was silence across all, all, and this was just New Zealand, right? So all New okay. Zealand news media, I don't know what it was, but it's almost like they were, they've been told not to say anything. Is is that something that you've sort of witnessed in, in mainstream media over in, in the US or? Yeah. So, I mean, there's different parts of the US where it, obviously it's not talked about as much. Um, like we were traveling to uh, Lewisburg, North Carolina and Charlotte, North Carolina. And I would go in places and be on conference calls and we're talking about, you know, Bitcoin and cryptocurrency. And you just have people kind of, you know, like, what, what are you talking about? And, you know, I get off the call and they could hear me, and, you know, starting there like, do you mention something about Bitcoin? I'm like, so they knew what Bitcoin was, but they, yeah. they didn't know about cryptocurrency as a whole. Right. Um, but then here, here in Chattanooga, I mean, it's, there's people that are accepting Bitcoin at their businesses. Um, I mean, it's, we've got ATMs here. I think we've got like six or seven Bitcoin ATMs. Uh, plus, we're close to Atlanta and Nashville, and you know those are you know flourishing cities uh, right now with cryptocurrency. So we're starting to see that movement, and I think it's you know I think it's here to stay, especially with something like with Coinbase, you know, now going public and, mm. and being traded and stuff. Yeah. I mean, that's that's a big step. That's yeah. a really big step. Yeah, it, it, yeah, I think you're right. A, eh? it is here to stay. Um, now back to back to your trading. So you you're in in crypto big time, obviously, and you've made that transition to Forex now. So how did you get your crypto education around your trading stuff? As far as like the education of cryptocurrency or no, the education of, of trading cryptos, like how did you sort of uh, more, more your candlestick technical analysis side of things? Um, I think it just come naturally because I didn't have a, I didn't really have a teacher, I guess, except for, you know, my dad, uh, that was really it. But I mean, even my dad, my dad was more of a, a fundamentals guy. You know, I mean, just really watching the, the news and, 
you know, watching the market as a whole, watching what companies bond this company, uh, mergers, acquisitions, and things like that. And I was more of just, a, I just looked at the price. And when I trade, I, I look at the charts as it's a picture. Someone's painting a picture, and that someone is the banks. We just got to figure out what their next step is, obviously. I mean, that's, that's the no-brainer. But if you've, you've never really looked at a chart that made a good move, like a really nice move and said, God, that's an ugly chart. It's always a beautiful move that takes off. Um, so, I mean, I've just always looked at the chart, looked at the big picture, and I don't trade with any moving averages, nothing. It's just a naked chart, cross action, and I just try to complete the picture that the banks are trying to paint. Okay, right. And and so so you moved from crypto to Forex. I mean, how did you make why did Why did you make that transition and, and how did it go? It was, so the transition obviously was just seeing, you know, Q and, you know, then Anthony Williams and uh, Ron Gilpin and a few others out there that were just having fun. And I was like, in cryptocurrency, it's fun, but you are left in a stagnant, you know, situation. You may buy a coin and it may, which, I mean, you can trade futures and stuff on cryptocurrency, uh, but you may buy a coin, you're setting on it, and then it pumps, you know, two months later, sometimes a year and a half, two years later. Whereas with Forex, you can make money now. Like you can make money whether the market goes up or down. You just have to figure out which direction. And I learned that once you start trading a larger account, I mean, you can almost ultimately click buy or sell. And if you're trading a big enough lot size, you just, you make the money and you just close out and you're done. I mean, it can literally be, I, I need 10 pips and it's, it's going to move nine times out of 10. It's going to move 10 pips both directions before it takes a big move. So it, that that kind of interests me at first because that's how I was trading at first. At first, I was just trying to catch those, you know, five to ten pit moves um, and just being out because it was so easy to to see that little bit of movement. And it's like, oh man, that's you know, at first it was like that's five hundred bucks, and then you know, then that turned into oh man, that's twenty eight hundred bucks. To I'm going in a shop to get a cup of coffee, and while I'm waiting on my coffee to come out, I just jumped on because I was bored, and made eighteen hundred bucks. And when I started seeing that, I was like, this could be very lucrative. Um, very, very lucrative if I sit down and apply myself to it. So that's when I just started really taking it serious. And that was one thing that Anthony Williams told me. Um, he was like, when you start taking, you know, Forex serious, but not so serious, like don't let it control your life, but actually take your trade serious. Look at it, do the charting and, and go in. And he said, and, and start trading on a higher time frame because I was trading, you know, five minutes, 15 minutes. Um, and I was just trading your standard pairs. And he was the one that got me on US 30. Cause he was like, yo, you, if you want to, if you want to start making real money, you know, trade on US 30, trade some, you know, some of these other pairs and see what you can do. And then when I started trading those, I was like, oh, man. It's funny because I actually had this, somebody on who, uh, this week I interviewed them, uh, who traded US 30 and absolutely loved it. And, and I was, because I, I looked at it and I was like going, hang on a sec, I don't get it. I don't get why, why is it the US 30 is everyone's like, ah, oh, if you're on US 30, you can just make huge, huge gains. And when I sort of did, what I discovered was that he was like using like smaller lot sizes, but and he wasn't really trading with a stop loss. I suppose that was the key thing, right? So he was using smaller lot sizes and risking a lot of his account. So he was like fifty percent of the account, okay, or even a hundred percent, but on a smaller lot size. So he's got a lot of wiggle room, yeah. and if he gets the direction right, then the thing runs right, and it runs, and you can actually double the account pretty quickly. Because of the leverage, the 1,000 to 1 leverage that he was getting. Is that the same approach that you're using or a similar approach? So, yeah, so I mean, I've got, I've got multiple accounts that I trade. Um, I've got one account that's a 1 to 1,000 leverage account. 
um, that I go and just have a lot of fun with. I mean, it truly is just a fun account. And then I've got another account that's a one to 200 leverage that I take serious. And that's my one to 2%, you know, risk ratio that I'll use per trade. Um, because that's, that's what I'm trying to build up. I'm real big on compounding, you know, the compounding effect of your wins and earnings. And if, if you're always trading with that one to 2%, you know, ratio, it's really hard to blow your account or go completely negative the other direction, unless you're just a bad trader. You know, if you're risking 1% of your account and you blow that account, that means you lost a uh, hundred trades in a row, <laughs> yeah. uh, which you need to go back to the drawing board and, and figure out what you did wrong. So um, on that account, I do take it serious. And um, I trade on that one, maybe, you know, four or five times a month. Whereas my one to 1000 account, I mean, that's the account where I could be out eating dinner and just jump on the chart, look at it and be like, ah, this looks like it's going to go down. Sell, yeah. you know, it's going to go up Buy, And I'm, I'm, I'm also a big hedge trader too. So I, I love, you know, getting in. If, if I'm in a sell and it's going the opposite direction, I'll hedge it and do, you know, buys and double up the other direction and have have all kinds of fun with it. Right, right, right. Okay, yeah, and this is exactly what this um, this guy in in South Africa was doing as well. He was he was uh, what's his name, Mister F uh, Festix. He was doing the same thing. He would like um, basically have this high risk account. Uh, he even had a medium risk account and then a low risk account. And the high risk account was exactly what you're doing, which is have a bit of fun. And I've heard that before in a course as well. So it is definitely something that people don't often talk about on the show, but really a, a nice way to split things up and get some of that well, emotional frustration out as well. Well, yeah, of- and it gives you and, and it gives you that kind of itch because if you, as a trader, I have I, I, I journal everything. Like I mean, I've got my journal in my backpack. Um, I journal my day. I journal my life. I journal my trades. I mean, anything I do, I journal. And when I started mentoring people and working with people and having them journal their trades and everything, I found out anytime they had like a true loss or a big loss, it was because they got bored. They had idle hands, and they've done well. They've won four or five trades in a row, and now they're like, "Well, it's Wednesday. The market's still open for two more days." And I don't want to sit still. And you look at the chart and you're like, but there's nothing to trade here. Like the market looks nasty. You've already had your wins. Be done with it. And just those idle hands, they just had to be in a trade. They had to have something to look at. They felt like they were missing it. And because of that, they would start trading their real account, their good account. Next thing you know, they just lost the entire week's winnings. And that's when I'm like, why don't y'all just open up a fun account? It's just a fun account. Put 10K in there. Put 20K. I mean, if you've got the money, put 50K in there. It's just a fun account. And say, I'm willing to risk, just throw out a number. Don't even worry about pips, percentage, nothing. Just say, I'm willing to risk $1,000 on a trade. Go in, buy and sell. If it goes negative $1,000, cut it off. Be done with it. And that way you get the itch out, you get the fun out, and you're not messing with your real money where you're trying to grow and, and build something for the future. Yeah, awesome. Uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's something I've, I've never really sort of dived into deeply, but I, I think, I mean, I actually might look into this. Um, now, so you, you talked about, uh, getting into forex, and you got this more serious side of it, where you're, you know, risking one to two percent. What is what does that look like, and how did you come up with a? How do you analyze or mark up a chart? Let's let's ask that question. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, the first thing I look at is I look at the just structure in general. I'll typically look at the daily, and, and just see the bigger time frame. Um, I'm a real big trend line guy, so I'm a trend line slash zones. So I just find a nice trend where I've had a few bounces on it, and then I'll. I'll trade against the trend trying to get the sell for that quick entry. And if I'm if it's buying up, then I'll trade zones. And basically it has to break zones to obviously continue the trade. Um, and that's I keep it that simple. I mean, it's literally zones, trend lines, and that's it. Um, and, and what do you say to people who sort of 
have have lost faith in trend lines. So this is what I've noticed just recently because I had a guy on who trades a lot of trend lines, and and I always see the comments of people saying trend lines don't work. I mean, what do you say about to, to those people? They don't know how to draw a trend line correctly. Right. Okay. <laughs> I mean, that's that's kind of. I mean, because if you look at and I trade, so I actually use software too um, within my MT4. And whenever we do the YouTube thing and all that, I'll show it to you. So I, I also trade like swing high, swing low markers within the charts. So like if I'm on the hour or the daily, I'll see the swing high, swing low. Um, and it just gives a beautiful structure. Now, granted, where some people say trend lines don't work are the people that think that because it broke trend, it's going to drop, you know, 150, 200 pips and continue dropping. And what you see is if it, if it does break trend on a daily, and it does drop, you know, say 150 to 200 pips. I mean, 60 to probably 70% of the time, it's going to come back up to that original entry and retest that zone again. So when people are trading and they see their account at, you know, 1500 or $15,000 profit, and then all of a sudden it comes back and retests their entry, and now they're back at zero, they're like, well, that was a crappy trade. I guess I need to try again. It's like, well, no, you didn't have trade management is what happened. And because you didn't have trade management, you didn't take half profits. You didn't run a trailing stop. You didn't do anything like that. Um, so with the team that I've worked with, we've actually developed a trade management tool that manages all of my trades for me. Um, so when I go in and set my trend line, when it breaks, it takes the trade on the trend line, and it manages the entire trade. So I go in on Sunday night, mark up all my trades, put in my risk, click go, and that's it. That's it. Awesome. And so kind of when you're marking up your chart, what what kind of uh, what time frames are you going through and analyzing? Uh, so the daily, for sure, is what I analyze on, um, and then I'm, I'll typically mark it up on the hour if I'm utilizing the software because it, it does really well on the hour for the software. Um, if I'm trading myself, as far as like hand zone, not not letting the software manage the trades, then I trade strictly on the daily. And and what about uh, I suppose what's what are your risk to rewards on that trade? So when are you looking to get out and and yeah, when are you yeah. looking to get so, out? So for me, um, I start trailing my trades right around the 25 pip range. So at 25 pips, I go ahead and protect my entry. That way I can't lose that trade. And then anything over 25 pips, I'll start trailing it behind by about five to 10 pips. Okay. And so at that point, do you would you say it's a one-to-one trade or is it less than a one-to-one? Typically, yeah. so, okay, right. So, and so I, I saw on your website, you, you had uh, 92% winners. Is that still sort of about right? there or thereabouts yeah. yeah still still pretty close um uh, because pr- protecting the entry it just keeps you from losing the trade and i think that's something that a lot of a lot of traders will just utilize a stop loss in general and for me it's like if i'm utilizing a stop loss i'm going back to a prior zone that it's retested or that is was prior support that it broke and sometimes that could be 120 to 170 pips away if you're looking at it on the daily and if you, you know, bump it, you know, down to the hour, it may be 80 to 90 pips away. So my mentality is, why would I take this trade to get 25 to 35 pips before I start to protect if my stop loss is 85 pips away? So it's like, if I'm 25 pips in profit, I'm going to go ahead and just protect my entry and take half of it. So if I'm trading, say, five standards at 25 pips, I'm closing out 2.5 standards, and then I'm just protecting my entry to where if it goes back and hits it, I made my profit yeah. and I didn't yeah. lose that trade. Yeah, I, I find there's sort of two schools of thought there in terms of some traders are happy for, you know, 
this is my very you know, mechanical way I'm going to trade. And if I don't get a one-to-one, I'm not, you know, I'm not happy with uh, the yeah. trade. Others are like, you know, there's, if, if I'm just going to take, uh, there's money on the table. I'm going to take it. And when it's five standard lots, it's like, there's money I can do something with versus if it's exactly. like, you know, point point five standard lots. And then it's like, well, if it hits my stop loss, I'm not, you know, I'm not that bothered. It's, you know, 250 bucks or something or whatever it is versus, you know, if it, if it wins, it's 250 bucks versus five standard lots. If it wins and you're taking 25 pips, how much is that? I don't know. It's probably like $800 or a grand or yes, something. So it, at 2.5 pips, at 25 pips, it's like 625 bucks. Okay, right. So you can do so something I mean, with 625 bucks, right? Oh, yeah. I mean, if you're doing 625 bucks a day and, I mean, let's say you just do that for three days a week or whatever, I mean, you're making pretty good money. Yeah. I mean, just if you're trading, say, just 50 weeks out of the year, not even a whole year, giving yourself vacation and everything, that's like 290K. Yeah, so you can you can live off that. It's like, uh, in fact, you can. You're probably one of the top, you know, top ten percent of earners in the country at that at that rate. Yeah, and that's and that's. I think that's the thing that we we've lost in the trading community is we think that if it's not a thousand dollar day or a ten thousand dollar week that we're not making good money. Mm. And it's like, if you can just bust out eighteen hundred to two thousand dollars a week, you're you're making good money. Like you're making really good money. So, you know, I, I just hate seeing that. And I think that's one of the big things that new traders miss out on is they look at people that are making a million dollars, that are making a half a million dollars. Um, like I did that account challenge from uh, $20,000 to a half million dollars, you know, and, and we risking 100% of the account. I mean, literally on every single trade. And it was fun. It was a blast. It's like, you can't live your life trading an account like that. Yeah. But, you know, it's... You know, so I can be guilty at two of putting that out there because I post those trades and I post those winnings, but then I also try to keep it real. And I'm like, look, $500 a day, three days a week, that's putting 6K in your bank account a month. You know, that 6K a, a month over the course of a year, I mean, that's seventy, eighty thousand dollars $80,000. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's not bad, you know. It's it's not bad at all. Now, what I'm what I'm really interested to hear because I know you've got like a lot of businesses that you've got on the side, or not on the side, but you've got other businesses. Um, and my math so, was wrong. Sorry, I, my math was wrong. I was doing the math in my head. Oh, right, sorry, six hundred six hundred twenty five dollars a week times three times the whole year is like ninety k. So okay, it's like right. Okay, so it's like where my math, than two hundred. I thought it was a bit yeah, high. Where my where my math was wrong was I was thinking about when you trade the whole lot size. Of, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Your your five standards are not your two and a half. Yeah. But still, but still, it's livable, right? It's a it's a livable wage. You know, you can live off that for for the year. That's some people oh, get that mm-hmm. a full time job, right? Mm-hmm. Um. Now, what I'm quite interested in because I know you've got you know a few businesses that you run as well, um, outside of trading and and in trading, and you're trading crypto. You've got forex as well. How do you manage your time across all of that stuff? So the big thing for me, first of all, is family. So my wife and kids come first um, and then everything else just kind of falls after them. So with trading, I can kind of trade whenever I want to. So I more or less say whenever, you know, the wife's taking the shower or she's out with friends or the kids are in bed, um, I just jump on the charts and trade and, and have fun with it. Um, I've got the PIP lab, which is a, which where I'm at now, it's a trading kind of camp facility where people can come in 24 hours a day and, they can trade. Um, they can do markups with each other. I do education here. I do mentorship, um, life coaching, um, everything here out of this facility. So sometimes I'm just here hanging out, you know, with, with other clients, and then we're just trading, um, having a good old time. 
Um, and then between the businesses, uh, the brick and mortar businesses, I've, I've got a really good you know, group of people uh, that help me with that. Uh, so the balance itself has always just come from really not stressing about what's happening, just looking at the whole picture and as a, like, kind of like a pie chart and saying, where am I allotting my time this week? And I kind of just plan my weeks out and just stick to the schedule. Um, and then there's times that obviously I, I can't stick to the schedule. You know, stuff comes up and I have to move things around. Um, but it's just, I don't know, it's always come natural to me to balance my time. Uh, I look at my time, the clock is a 24-hour clock. Like, I don't look at, like, oh, man, it's midnight. Uh, I've got to get ready to go to bed. You know, it's like, well, it's, it's midnight. Like, I, I've got this well, to do. <laughs> I've, I've, still got, I've still got 12 more hours in this day. Yeah. You know, so I, I'm at work six to seven more hours, and then I'll sleep four to five hours. I, I've never slept a lot. Um, you know, average not to rest for me is anywhere from about three and a half to five and a half hours. Oh, right. um, and that's And that's max. Um, and I've always been that way since I was a kid. My parents are that way. My grandparents are that way. Right. So never, never part of one. So that has a lot to do with it as well. Yeah. Yeah. There are some people I did read, uh, hear about that on a Joe Rogan podcast, uh, where there was a sleep expert on there or a neuroscientist. So, and he said that there are a small percentage of people in the world that are exactly like that. They can survive on five hours sleep a, a night. And yeah, if I get more than that, if I get more than that, I feel like I'm about to just pass out. Yeah, 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 exactly. So you're you're obviously one of these people, which is uh, amazing that I've stumbled across one. Now, what do you think? Here, here's my question is like, what do you think made you different from everyone else out there other than the fact that you only require five hours sleep a night? At as the far start, as the yeah, at the start, what, what made you different to, to be, become somebody <laughs> who, I suppose, A, decided to jump on the crypto thing really early doors and saw the, uh, the value there, and B, um, is able to like has it been able to master this in forex as well um man so growing up i, I grew up you know in, in the typical family of you know go to school complete high school go to college get a good job and all this stuff because my, my family always wanted me to do well um everyone in my family is either an entrepreneur they own their own you know they they owned a business or worked with other people partnerships um were investors anything like that so uh I didn't have really a family where they were clocking in and out of something, uh, but my dad wanted me to have structure, you know, being, his, you know, being a son. He's like, I want you to go to school, get a good job and just have structure around your life. Uh, I don't want you to be stressed or anything like that. So I, I grew up with the whole, you know, school's important. Let's finish school. Let's go to college. And then about, I would say it was right around my junior, senior year. Um, I had some opportunity that, you know, came up to race dirt box. So I completely dropped out of school and just started racing dirt box because I'd done that for a long time. And um, I think the, the competitive side of me really pushed me because so many people were always against me of, you know, well, you quit school, you know, and you're racing dirt box. You're never going to amount to anything. You're never going to have anything. So that just kind of, you know, fueled the fire of I wanted to prove people wrong, um, which isn't a good thing because you should always do stuff for yourself and other people. So about probably two or three years of my teenage into my early 20s was just trying to prove people wrong. And I was like, I don't want to be like them. I don't want to, I, I want to do better than what they're doing just to prove them wrong. Um, and then as I got older and matured a bit, it was more or less, it, just do different than what everyone else is doing. If, if you look at the population as a whole, you have so many people that are living paycheck to paycheck. You have, you know, so many, you know, people that are struggling, whether it's emotionally, financially, um, you know, spiritually, relationship, everything. And it's a mass majority of the people doing the same thing. So, and that was one thing my dad always taught me at a young age. If you see the masses doing something, try to do something different. And I would ar always argue with him because I'm like, but dad, you're wanting me to complete school. You're wanting me to go to college. That's what the masses are doing. 
he was like, just finish that. And then when you come out of school, do something different, you know, get a different job that you're passionate about. And I was like, that's just so contradicting, you know, to me. So as I got older, I just applied it in the sense of whatever everyone else is doing. I want to be different. I want to be that 1%. Mm-hmm. And to be that 1%, you have to do something different. You can't do the same thing. So if you're going into a nine to five in a business that has 5,000 employees, you're doing what 5,000 other people are doing. Do something different. You know, so that was, that was kind of just, I think what pushed me to that edge of doing cryptocurrency too, because everyone was like, cryptocurrency is stupid. It's dumb. You're going to waste your money. You're investing in something you can't touch, feel, smell, and you know, you're never going to make any returns on it. And I was like, this is great because if that's how they feel, I've got to do it. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. And that okay. was, so you're yeah, really, really going against the grain there. So um, what, do you, what do you recommend for somebody who's starting out in this business? What steps would you say, go through these steps to start to get to a point where they can grow an account? And let's just, let's just focus on Forex for now. Okay, uh, so for Forex, I would say complete education. Um, do something as simple as baby pips. You know, I've always said babypips.com. It's free. It's free education. It, it's easy to run through. Um, and then next, journal. Uh, I'm real big on journaling. Uh, just journal your your life in general, um, because there's just there's so many things that I found even during my days. It's like on on days that I lost trades, what was different on days that I won trades? You know, was it really my analysis or was it how I felt? And then it's like, ah, uh, it was how you felt. I would start reading in there. You know, I woke up and didn't feel good. I stayed up too late and partied with friends and this this and this, and I started seeing a pattern. So the journal helped me know as I'm writing in it first thing in the morning as I'm drinking my coffee. And it's, I've got a thing on there that says, how do you feel? And I'm like, feel a little, you know, rough. I slept good, but stayed out too late last night. I partied a little too hard. And as soon as I wrote that, it's like, yep, not trading today. Because every time I trade, when I feel this way, I lose. So journaling is real important. Um, and then next is figuring out where you're going to get the capital. Um, you know, I think we sell a pop dream telling people that they can start an account with a hundred bucks and become millionaires in a couple of years. You know, that's, that's not always the case. You, you have to have capital to, you know, you've got to have money to make more money. So then you've got to get creative on how am I going to build my own capital to where I can start making more money because 10%, you know, of a $10,000 account in a matter of a month, a thousand dollars. And if you can compound that over the course of a year, you're going to start seeing good returns on, you know, year three and four. But if you're trading a hundred dollar account, making 10%, it, it's going to take you a while to get there. It, <laughs> yeah. it, it may, you know, it, it's not going to be as easy. And because you're not making those types of returns, you're going to get distracted. You know, you're going to get distracted when something else pops off or when a friend wants you to go out to eat dinner. Cause you're like, well, by not training, I'm only losing $10, you know? And if you just do that five or six times, that compounding goes out the window quick. And so, so what do you recommend somebody, if, they, if they're going to look at a price chart as well? So this new trader is going to jump on there, have a look at a, a price chart. What things should they be studying or doing on that chart? Um, I say watch the charts like a movie. That, that was one thing that I really did when I first started out. I would sit there and I would eat dinner in front of a chart and just watch it. And I would watch it mainly on the one minute um, just to see how it traded on the one minute, the structure that it would build. And then I'd go to like the 30 minute and the one hour and I would literally watch the charts like a movie and just get to see, you know, oh, when, when it breaks this type of resistance or, or, you know, support trend, whatever, it does X, Y, and Z. And it would typically follow that pattern for quite some time and then all of a sudden it would switch patterns, you know, market would shift. And then you'd watch that and kind of see, I go, and I would take notes the whole entire time. And I was, um, I would start, US 30 is a prime example there for a while. 
you know, US 30 was almost trading the exact same way every single day, you know, between 5.15 in the morning till about, you know, 6.30 in the morning, you had about an hour, hour and a half in there where you could go in and just get a good solid entry. And then when the market opened, it would just fly off, you know, and it would happen almost every single day. Well, then I started seeing what days it moved faster because I was writing down the price. I'm journaling this. Um, so just paying attention to the market structure, journaling it and watching it like a movie. Awesome. And uh, what about a trader's mindset? So you, you talked about like journaling. Have you got anything else other than that that can help somebody get into the right mindset of, of trading, you know, have, being a successful trader? Yeah, psychology is everything. I mean, psychology is everything. I've been in a room with 15 to 20 people doing mentorships and training. And I'm like, all right, guys, we're taking a buy right now on US 30. And we take a buy. And only two people win the trade in the whole room. And it's all like, right. hold on a second. How, how can only two people win this trade? And we all took the same trade. I won it. So how did everyone else lose it? And then it was like, well, because I over leveraged and it might have dropped down and drawdown. You know, you might have drawdown for maybe 10 to 15 pips, but they're trading, you know, $10 a pip, $15 a pip. And it started scaring them. So they closed the trade out in negative balance or it went up to where our take profit was and they didn't take profit. And then it came and knocked them out. And it was the psychology of I wanted more or I was scared because I was going to lose more. So I think psychology is key to everything. Um, and psychology is a hard thing to work on. I think it's one of the toughest things as a trader, getting your mindset right. Um, and you have to detach yourself from money. That's, that's the most important thing is detaching yourself from the money itself. Mm. And I think that's where, you know, I've kind of got a really good start in it because since I purchased Bitcoin at such a cheap price, if I go in and fund an account with one Bitcoin, my average buy-in is next to nothing. So I have no attachment to that. Yeah. You know, it's like if, if I blew an entire account of 60K, I've got less than $400 in it. So yeah. there's really no attachment to that money. Um, and I think when you have that, and that's something I've seen real big, like Anthony, you know, Anthony has no attachment to money, like none. He, it doesn't, he wants to make more money, but as far as the dollar bill, he has no attachment to it. There's no emotions when he's losing that money. And I think when you don't have the emotions tied to it and you're not worried about how much money you're making, how much you're losing, and you're just trading with proper risk, you're sticking to your plan, sticking to your journaling, you're going to win. There's, there's absolutely no way you can lose if you're following the rules that you set for yourself. Cool. And what about like one thing that you recommend a retail trader spend the next month mastering? So if they had to go away and practice, 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 what would it be? Hmm. I would say, I would say study and price action on zones and trend lines and just making, don't, don't even trade it, just mark it up and put notes on your trading view or whatever you're using to trade it and see if it does what you want it to do. Like, don't worry about the price. Don't worry about how much money you're making. Because I think that's one of the, the biggest issues with traders is if they don't see a big amount of money being made, they don't like it. You know, or if they see a lot of money being lost, it scares them. So when you're just marking it up on the chart, it's like, oh, man, I took an entry there, and there was my take profit, and it hit it. Crap, that would have been a solid trade. And if you can do that for a solid month, the only thing you've got to do different now is when you mark that chart up and you know it's going to buy, you go to your MT4, MT5, whatever, set it, go for it. That's mm. it. Mm. Yeah, exactly. Get, 
Yeah, getting the money out of your head. Yeah, that's that's a great little way to do it and a great little hack. I I, I, lo- I love it. Right, we're going to jump into the quick fire rounds here to, to wrap up the show. So um, let's just focus on Forex because it's probably going to be easier because your crypto story is quite long. Uh, how long did it take you to go from newbie in the Forex market to consistently profitable? A uh, month and a half. What's your favorite entry setup? Uh, as far as... As far as like you see something on a chart and you go, bang, I'm, I'm in. Uh, I love this man. one. Yeah, just looking at the daily and seeing it break a zone, that's it. What strategies do you use to exit or manage trades? Uh, I'll do my basically 25 pips is all I look for. So I look for my 25 pip profit, cut it in half, protect my entry. What's your recommended trading book or resource? Ooh, babypips.com. What's your preferred break, broker and trading platform? Uh, carbon capital hey you ever wonder what broker i use well i use hanko trade it was a no-brainer because i was looking for a broker with good trading conditions and no restrictions on trading my strategies but one of the main reasons was their raw ecn spread which could challenge any other broker you're trading with learn more at hankotrade.com or click the link in the description uh walk us through your worst ever trade oh uh worst ever trade was (laughs) i was at home with my kids and I had magic keys hooked up to my MT4. Uh, and it wasn't me that took the trade. Um, I was cooking uh, dinner with my wife and I just kept hearing that chunk, 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 chunk. And I was like, what is that noise? And I go in there and my son and daughter are just on my magic keys, just <laughs> hammering away. Hammering away. Um, and that, that was a trade I just had, I just had to cut, 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 loose, cut loose. I mean, I, I still, I, I tried to come back from it, but yeah, it was it was a rough trade the downside of magic keys <laughs> it, it, it was it but i mean like i say it, the worst trade though personally that i've taken um was when I, w- I was doing some scalping on gold one night and just got too rowdy and was just having too much fun um i'd had a little mini two glasses of wine and just started hedging left right left right left right and the account just went gone so it, it was a rough one um right final question if you could leave our listeners with one piece of advice what would it be uh leave out the noise uh don't listen to if there's negative opinions coming in you know to to your life from people because as traders people watch you and they start you know they start talking and i've seen a lot of really good mindful traders who could be amazing traders let people get in their head and they just stop trading stop learning or anything it's like if you've got a dream and you want to be successful in the foreign exchange market, keep pursuing your dream, follow good people. Um, like, I mean, most of the people like you have on your show um, and just trust the process and, and don't listen to the noise. Ignore all of it. Cool. Awesome. Well, look, uh, Andy, before you wrap up, what's the best way for traders to get hold of you? Uh, so on Instagram, it is underscore Andy Peters underscore. Um, on Facebook, it's fb.com forward slash Andy Peters V as in Victor. That's it. Brilliant. Well, look, a big thank you to Andy for sharing with us today. Everything we've discussed here, along with all the links, are in the show notes. To find them, simply search for Andy on the search box in tradingnut.com. Until next time, I wish all my listeners trading happiness and success. All right, so there we go, guys. Interview with Andy done and dusted. Do remember to check out those videos uh, over there on tradingnut.com or on the YouTube channel uh, where Andy breaks down crypto and Forex. I think we're going to do it in two parts. So make sure you check those out. Also, do check out Trader vs. Trader 3 coming to you this week for the next few weeks uh, with Forex Simulator. Do go and check that out. And also, last but not least, check out my Robot Builders Club. Uh, 
if you want to jump on board, this is the time to do it. I'm probably going to shut the doors very, very soon. Uh, I've got some new things coming up that I want to focus my attention on, and bringing on the new members is going to be the sacrifice that I make with this. So guys, if you do want to come on board, this is the time to do it. Uh, and whilst you're coming on board, think about getting some Trading Up merch. Remember, it's good on both sides as well. Show you guys that you are a trading nut with the Trading Up merch. Uh, it's over there on YouTube. It's over there on tradingnut.com. You've got t-shirts, you've got mugs, you've got all sorts of stuff. If you want to have some trading memorabilia, if you want to see other guys out there on the streets who are trading us as well, so you can say hi, then this is what you want to do. You want to get yourself some of that merch. All right, guys, I'll see you in the next episode. Remember the cool stuff coming. We've got crypto stuff galore. We've got that destruction of the US dollar. So stay tuned.